Luke chapter number five this morning. Now, last week we started Luke chapter number five, last week's Sunday night, and uh, we looked at the story of Jesus uh, calling uh, the first four disciples, uh, Peter, uh, James, John, and uh, Andrew. And so we looked at how uh, Jesus challenged Peter to launch out in faith. And so we're going to pick up where we left off last week's Sunday. And then tonight, Lord willing, uh, we will continue um, where we leave uh, this morning. And so just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll look to even finish chapter number five. And so a series of messages just gathered around Luke chapter number five. Um, I didn't I didn't call it a series, but it is a series of messages that we're going to just going to look at Luke chapter number five and see some amazing things that Christ has done in this chapter. And so we're going to pick up in verse number 12 of chapter number five. And so we'll read down to verse number 26. And so go ahead and uh, just make sure that you uh, follow along as I read. The Bible says in verse number 12, and it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and shew thyself to the priests, and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him for their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, this is Jesus, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts, whether it's easy to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. And he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and, or take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he arose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. And so this morning, this is an experience. And so that's why uh, I've entitled the message Experiences with Jesus. And so we're going to look at this. And so let's go ahead and uh, jump in and ask God to bless the message. We ask him to bless the service. But we'll especially ask him to bless the message. So let's go ahead and pray one more time. Father, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity uh, we get to hear from your word. Um, we pray that you would just uh, open our hearts, open our minds right now. Um, we pray that you just um, uh, speak to us, Lord, if there's anything uh, in this passage, Lord, that jumps up uh, to us, Lord, about you, about who you are, about who we are, Lord, that we'd be helpful today. I pray that you'd be with me. I pray that you'd help me to just be a vessel, Lord, that you'd be uh, able to use your word and help me to be able to communicate it clearly and effectively, Lord, and that we would leave here being met by you. And so we ask you all these things in Jesus' name. I do pray. Amen. There are moments in life where 
we come to experience things and we just never can forget them after that. There are just moments or events that when we experience them, it's just a memory in our mind that will never go away. Do you have any of those? Think about it. Think about it for a second. Have any memories in your mind that you can think of that you will never forget? You might say, no, I don't have any of those. I'll tell you that you will. Here's why. It's those, it's those memories, it's those moments that go on to define who something or someone is to us that makes us never be able to actually forget it. For instance, I can recall my first memory of my family going on vacation. Um, I've, I've, I've shared how as a Bahamian, as Bahamians, anyone in the Bahamas, uh, it is common practice that for vacation you, you would go to Florida. That's, that's not uncommon. You would find that the most, uh, most people in the Bahamas, that that's what they do for vacation. I remembered uh, my first memory of vacation. I remembered the place that we stayed. I remember um, that it was a building, it was a hotel that was about eight to nine, maybe ten stories high. And I remember this because we were on the top floor, we could look out um, at the balcony, we could look out across and, and we can see uh, this great view. But the reason why I remember this is that when it was time to check out, the power went out. I remember as a little kid watching everyone carry the, bag, the, the bags down 10, nine, or maybe even eight flights of stairs. That was not good. And so I have that picture, that memory inside my mind. I remember who was there. I remember my dad being there. I remember that he was the room that I, he was uh, the person that I stayed with in the room. I remember my aunts were there, my cousins were there, and we all had our own rooms, but we stayed together on one floor as a family. I remember what we did. I remember, uh, you know, as a family, we, we, ha we uh, were very purposeful about what we did on vacation. One day would be strictly, we would call this a shopping day. We would just go to different malls. We would just go uh, and, and uh, hit up different uh, outlets or whatever, and uh, we would just shop. We would have uh, a rest day. We would just uh, chill out at the pool, or we would go and uh, ride bikes or, you know, skateboarding or whatever it may be, that just, just to kind of relax. But we always had a fun day. We always had a day uh, that we just had strictly just nothing but fun. Now, later in, in life, we would go on to stop going to Miami, um, and that's where we were at this time, but we would stop going to Miami, we would go to Orlando. And uh, we would go to Disney World, we would go to Universal Studios, et cetera, et cetera. But in Miami, as a kid, there was a place that we went that I will never forget, and it was, it's near and dear to my heart, and I was talking to my wife the other day, and I was like, I can't believe I like this place. The good old place of Chuck E. Cheese. That was me. I loved me some Chuck E. Cheese when I was a kid. And uh, I remember on this day, that was the destination. They were gonna go, uh, they were gonna go uh, hit up a water park uh, that was somewhere around the corner and then we were gonna go to Chuck E. Cheese. But there was a problem about me on this trip. I, was a, I had a problem. I was sick. I wasn't deathly sick. I wasn't running a fever or, or, or anything, but I had a cough that just wouldn't go away. And it was an annoying cough. And uh, I had a cough and it, it I guess in turn also made me cranky. So my dad, he decided, he said, all right, well you guys go and uh, if he feels better, we'll, we'll catch up with y'all. 
And so I remember staying in the hotel with my dad, and over the course of that day, I remember feeling somewhat better. The the hic the the, uh, the the coughs had had gone away miraculously. Maybe it's because I wanted to go to Chuck E. Cheese, right? And so I remember starting to feel a little bit better. My dad noticed this, and so he said, "Hey, you starting to feel better?" And I'm like, "Yeah, right. I'm a little kid." And so he went and he called uh, one of my cousins, say, "Where are you guys at?" And they said, "We're headed to Chuck E. Cheese now." And he says, "He's like, Trev. He, he called me Trev. I said, Trev, you want to go to Chuck E. Cheese?" I'm like, "Yeah, Chuck E. Cheese." I'm excited. I'm like, "Let's go." And so so he puts on my clothes. And I remember this going outside of the hotel and looking and not seeing a van. And I thought to myself, where's the van? And he grabbed my hand and we began to walk. And let me go on to explain to you what felt like five miles of walking. I remember we walked out of the hotel. We took a right. When we took a right, we walked uh, for a little bit, and then we took an immediate right. And when we took that right, there was a bridge there. And uh, you know, we stopped there, and my dad gave me a rock. He let me throw it inside the, the, the pond uh, that the bridge was over. And uh, at some point, even in that walk, I got tired, and he just he grabbed me, and he put me on his shoulders. And we just walked, just me and my dad. We're going to Chuck E. Cheese. We're having a good time. I remember getting the Chuck E. Cheese. And, uh, the thing almost being over, man, everyone, they're like, oh, we already, we already played a few games and blah, blah, blah. We're ready to get out of here. But I played a few games. But it wasn't about Chuck E. Cheese for me. It was about that experience with my dad. I remember that day like it was yesterday. But in fact, I came later to, to realize that it was not yesterday or anywhere close to yesterday. I later, when I was in high school or maybe even my early adult years, I went on to ask my dad, do you remember that? I tell him that story just as vivid as I, I told him that. Do you remember that? And he just looked at me and he says, you remember that? And I say, yeah, why? He said, Trevon, you couldn't have been any older than three years old when that happened. He said, I know this because we stopped going to Miami when you were around that age. So you, you had to have been maybe three or even two years old at that time. I thought to myself, hmm, what do you know? So you ask me, you say, well, why, why do you recall such a memory? I come to think and I come to realize that I remember that day like it was yesterday because that was the day that I came to admire my dad. For me, he was the one that stayed when everyone left. He was the one that got me ready. He was the one that held my hand and we, he walked me to Chuck E. Cheese. He was the one that on that walk, picked me up and put me on his shoulders when I got tired. I was like, oh, my feet hurt. He picked me up and put me on his shoulders and walked me to Chuck E. Cheese. He was the one that stopped me when we got to that pond that let me throw a rock in the pond and allowed me to see some of the turtles and the fishes swimming by. The destination was Chuck E. Cheese, but the journey for me was what made me admire my dad. And that's a memory I will never forget. We have those memories. Those moments are moments that define something or someone to us that we'll, we just will never forget. Do you know that this morning, when it comes to the Lord, He can and desires to give us those same unforgettable memories? Jesus does. He desires to give us unforgettable memories that we will come to never forget. Why? Because it's those memories of Him and through Him that will allow us to learn who He is for us. And so uh, you think about, uh, I'll give you an example of this. You think about um, our passage um, earlier in Luke chapter number five. Think about with Peter and Jesus. Jesus tells Peter, he sees Peter uh, washing his nets, and he says, Peter, launch your net into the deep. 
launch my net into the deep. No, we've been out here all night. Oh, we don't want to launch your net into the deep. And so he does that. Peter launches it into the deep. Peter brings in, the Bible says, two boatloads worth of fish. To Peter, this is an experience. Here's why. When you look in verse number eight, look in verse number eight of, of Luke chapter number five. When you look in verse number eight, you will notice that when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. What did Peter come to learn about Jesus that day? Peter recognized that Jesus was a man of power and authority. And I sincerely believe that this will be a day that Peter never forgot. Because it was something that for the first time he was able to picture in his mind, hey, you know what? Jesus is a man of power and Jesus is a man of authority. And so when it comes to the Lord, he can, ladies and gentlemen, and desires to give us unforgettable experiences with him. The question is, will we see them? The question is, will we experience them? This morning, I want us to look in our passage, and I want us to see two men. We're going to look at two stories, really, but two men that have the similar experience with Jesus, right? Uh, we're going to see that they're going to have really some unforgettable experiences with Jesus themselves. And uh, it's going to define to them who the Lord is. And so before we get into what their experiences is, let's talk about them for a second. Let's talk about our two guys. Number one, let's talk about the man with the leprosy. So look at verse number 12. The Bible says, And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. So this guy with the leprosy. He had leprosy, so I wrote a few notes down about this, but someone suffering with, with leprosy uh, was someone that suffered from a terrible destructive disease which causes nerve damage, eventually destroying a person's ability to feel. Now here's why that's important. important. In the New Testament, uh, leprosy was considered a curse and lepers were often isolated from the rest of society. Uh, in fact, the lepers had to cry unclean as they went from place to place because it was a powerful yet, uh, um, it was a powerful yet contagious disease. And so we see this man with leprosy. He had, he had a suffering. He had a, a disease that he was suffering from that, uh, that made him isolated from society. And so we see his suffering but he was a man that knew who could help him. You look in verse number 12, the Bible says, and behold, the man full of leprosy who's seeing Jesus. When the Bible describes that when he saw Jesus, he knew that Jesus could help him. He knew the power of Jesus was known in the life of this man. And so the Bible says that he immediately fell on his face and besought him saying, Lord, if thou canst, thou can't make me clean. He saw Jesus, he began to worship him and he started to beg, Lord, if you just would, I don't, it's not even a question in my mind. If you can, if only you would, you can make me clean. And so we see our guy. He's, he's the man with leprosy. And so uh, he, he, he suffers, but he knows who can help him. But we see another guy. You look in verse uh, number 18. The Bible says, And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in, and they lay him before Jesus. So we have one guy that suffers from a disease, uh, but he knew who, who can help him. We have another guy that suffered from a disease, and palsy uh, is uh, a form of paralysis. Uh, it's the loss of mus muscle function in the part of a, in the body. Um, it's the relaxing of nerves on one side, and so it would make the person basically disabled, right? Weak of limb or disabled. So one guy, he has leprosy. He has a disease that's, a disease that's hurting him, but he can move. 
We have one guy who has a disease that can't do anything for himself. He can't move. That's why the Bible describes that these four men are going to help him and take him to Jesus. One guy had a disease and knew who could help him. One guy had a disease and had friends that knew who could help him. You look in verse number uh, 18. It says, uh, uh, Behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And so one guy had a problem and knew who to go to. One guy had a problem, and whether he knew or not, at least his friends knew who to go to. These friends, I like to point out a few things about these friends. These friends, you can say they were concerned about his condition. You look at it in verse number 18. Uh, why would they pick him up, put him on a bed, if they weren't concerned. You know, I believe that these friends, they looked at this disease and they thought to themselves, man, it's, it's really sad that you have to go through this. Man, it's really tragic that you have to go through this. You can't do anything for yourself. Man, I wish there was somewhere, some way that we can help. Man, I wish there was some way that uh, we can do something for you. We see they were concerned about his condition. But the best thing I think about this is that they were convinced of Jesus' power. Because you look at what it says in verse number 18, and it says, and they sought means to bring him in, to lay him before him. And so uh, these guys, they, they knew what Jesus could do. And so they thought to themselves, wait a minute, you need help. He can help you. We need to take you to him. They were convinced of Jesus' power, so much convinced that they were courageous in their effort. Look at verse number 19. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. So here's the picture. You have Jesus, the Bible uh, speaks in verse number 17, the Bible says that Jesus is teaching. Pharisees are there, doctors are there, uh, the power of the Lord is able to heal them out, but, uh, both, but the house is filled. You see this in, in Mark chapter number 2, it describes that the house was filled. And these guys, they put their friend on this couch and they uh, laid him on it and they carried him. Mark describes him as they, 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 uh, he was born of four, means airborne. So they carried him and when they got to the house, they realized they couldn't get in. So back in those days, it was common that uh, there was a stairs on the side of the house and that uh, on top of the house, there was, you could uh, break apart the roof. There was like tiling on top of the roof that you could remove pieces of the roof. And so these guys, uh, so convinced of Jesus' power and so concerned about their friend's condition, they went up on top of the roof, removed the tile, and the Bible describes that they lowered him down through the roof for Jesus to help this friend. This proved two things. One person said, this proved the determination and faith of the friends of the paralytic man. They were convinced of Jesus' power. They counted on Jesus healing their friend because it would be a lot harder to bring him back up through the roof than lower him, lowering him down. They counted on him walking out of their room because they were that convinced that Jesus was going to heal this man. There are some convinced friends. There are also some courageous friends. In his commentary, uh, in his exposition commentary of the New Testament, Warren Wiersbe said, These four men are examples of how friends ought to minister to one another and help needy sinners come to the Savior. Ladies and gentlemen, the question for us is, we look at these friends, just these friends alone. The question for us is, are we concerned about the people outside of these doors? 
Are we convinced that Jesus can do something for them if they were to come inside of these doors? Because I'll tell you, if we were concerned and we were convinced, we would be a lot more courageous in talking to people about Jesus. They say, oh, well, I'm just a shy person. Oh, well, I just, I don't want to talk about my family with that. It might, I don't know what it might do to my family if I start talking to them about Jesus. Oh, I don't want to talk to my coworker. If, if I start talking about Jesus, are you concerned and are you convinced? Because anyone that is concerned for someone's well-being and convinced of help will get them to the source of help. We can learn a lot from these friends, but the story is not about these friends. The story is about our two guys. These two men had great needs and they're about to thankfully experience a great savior. So this morning I would like to invite you to open your hearts, open your minds, just, just kind of, just, just think with me a little bit here. I'm gonna uh, give some observations. And so I, I want us to look at this story and I want, this to, I want us to see this as an example of what Christ can do for us. In that same commentary, uh, our guy Warren uh, Worsby said, Our Lord's miracles not only demonstrated his deity and his compassion for needy people, but they also revealed important spiritual lessons about salvation. They were object lessons, so to say, to teach spiritually blind people what God could do for them if only they would believe in his son. You know, the fact of the matter is, if only we would believe like this leper believed or like the, the friends of this paralytic believe, that we could see Jesus do a great work in our lives. And so this picture, I believe, will be a picture that will show us um, that the leper really re represents the Christian. Someone that has a need and knows someone that can meet the need. I think the paralytic will represent someone that is not on their way to heaven, that is not saved. Someone uh, that needs help and that maybe either do know or do not know where to find it, but that he had friends that did. And so this morning, three unforgettable experiences I want us to look at uh, that is found in Jesus this morning. Number one, if you're taking notes, I want us to look at the fact that these men experienced the experience of love, or they had or received the experience of love. These two men, when you look at their stories, they came to experience the love of Christ in two different ways. Let me illustrate. Number one, the leper received the compassion of Christ. The leper received the compassion of Christ. So you look in verse number 13. The Bible says, And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the, the leprosy departed from him. So the compassion that Jesus shows on this man when he comes and he bows down before Jesus and he says, If only you would do what you can make me clean. The compassion is shown in the fact that Jesus touched him and said, I will. Now, you might say, well, that's not enough for me. I don't see any compassion there. Well, I'm glad that we have different accounts of the gospel. Because Mark recounts this, this, uh, uh, gives an account of this story. And it says in Mark chapter number 1, verse number 41, the Bible says, And Jesus, when this happened, Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And so we see that this leper received the compassion of Christ. The compassion was, and he received compassion uh, in the sense that Jesus met him where he was. Now think about this for a second. With leprosy, anyone that had leprosy had to cry out unclean. You think about that for a second. So it wasn't common that people just rub shoulders with people that had leprosy. The point that we see here is that Jesus 
met him where he was. Whether he had leprosy or not, Jesus met him where he was. Jesus was not afraid to meet him because of his leprosy. He met him where he was. And so it's, it, it makes us kind of thankful that God doesn't require us to have it all together to come to him. I don't know about you, but that makes me extremely thankful that Jesus meets us where we are. And so Jesus met him where he was. But I think the most inspiring and heartfelt aspect of this is that Jesus helped him where he was. You say, what do I mean? Well, I want us to observe the order of events. Let's look at the order of events in verse number 13. The Bible says, when he said, thou canst make me clean, if only thy will, the Bible says in verse number 13, and he put his hand on him. So before Jesus said anything, he put his hand on him. He says, I will be thou clean. So what's the significance of, there, of that? Okay. I want to give you two observations. Number one, when Jesus touched this man, he instilled confidence. Now you ask yourself, did Jesus really had to touch him to heal him? We know that the answer is no. We understand that when Jesus touched him, I sincerely believe, you can believe it or not, but I sincerely believe that Jesus instill, was touching him to instill confidence in him. Here's the confidence. I'm going to touch you. If I couldn't heal you, I wouldn't have touched you. We see that, right? Uh, he was instilling confidence saying, you know what? I'm not afraid of you. I'm going to heal you. And he says, I will. And then he healed the man. I believe it was to instill confidence. But you know, I also believe that it was to instill comfort. A man with leprosy didn't have people around him very often. A man with leprosy probably hadn't had a hug in years. A man with leprosy probably hadn't had a person shake his hand in years. Probably hadn't had a person close to him in years. Yet Jesus came and he says, before I give you this miracle, let me let you know, I'm not afraid of you. I love you. I'm here for you and I will make you clean. That's compassion of the Savior this morning. That is what this man experienced this morning. He experienced love the way, in a way that he's never experienced before. And so Jesus met him where he was and helped him where he was. And ladies and gentlemen, he can do the same thing for us. I like to say that this morning. So we see the leper, he received Christ's compassion. But then we move on to our second guy. Don't forget, we're doing two parallels here, so don't, don't forget. Let's go to the second guy, our paralytic. We see that the paralytic received Christ's forgiveness. So when these friends bring him to Jesus, in verse number 20, the Bible says, When he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man... Thy sins are forgiven thee. I think the two ways that we see love from someone is compassion and forgiveness. Now that's not, that's not exhaustive in the attributes of love. But we do see that a person loves someone when they can show compassion. A person loves someone when they can show forgiveness. And Jesus showed it to both of these men. And this paralytic, he received forgiveness. Imagine his friends though for a second. They go through all this trouble. They lower him through this roof. They get him in front of Jesus. Jesus looks at them. He probably smiles and he says, good job. And then he looks down at the man. And he says, your sins are forgiven you. You can imagine these friends on the roof are like, wait, what did he say? Did he just say forgiveness? What, we, hey, we didn't, we didn't put him down there for forgiveness. Heal him. Hey, we, he, he's not there for forgiveness. Forgive him later. Heal him. He needs to walk, man. But Jesus knew the greater need. He knew that it didn't matter if this guy had legs. He knew that it was forgiveness that this guy needed. The greatest need, ladies and gentlemen, we know is uh, 
to have our sins forgiven. The Bible says that we're all sinners in Romans chapter number three, uh, chapter number three, verse number 23. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because all have sinned, the Bible says in, in uh, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. And so the greatest need of mankind is to have the forgiveness of Christ, is, is to have their sins forgiven. And Jesus knew that. Jesus met his greatest need. And in doing so, Jesus provided God's greatest gift. The greatest gift that we could ever say is that when we die, we know that we have a home in heaven. When we die, we know that we will find ourselves uh, with God in heaven. The Bible says in that same verse, Romans, 6, chapter number, uh, Romans chapter number 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so this guy, he experiences the, the greatest need. He has his greatest need met, and he experiences the, the greatest provision that he could ever receive. The love of the Savior in our two guys' lives this morning is on full, of, is on full display. And, and it, it shows this. Let me give you the chain of events of what it shows. It shows us that if we would come to Jesus, he would meet us where we are. He would help us where we are. He would meet our greatest need and provide us with an even better blessing. Right? The blessing we might be thinking is, well, God, I need this in my life. I need this. I need that. But we will find that he will help us and give us the greater, the, the greater thing that we long for and provide the greatest blessing that we could ever ask for. And so these two gentlemen this morning, they experience love. And they're, they're blessed to experience love. Not a lot of people experience love. Sadly, not a lot of people do. But they experience the love of Christ. Man, I wish I could have met Jesus. I wish I could. I'm, I know him uh, on a personal level, uh, intimately, but man, I can't wait to see him in heaven. I can't wait to have an experience like this face-to-face -face with my Savior. We, we see they experienced love, but I want to see, secondly, they experienced life. They experienced life. So these two men, uh, they were touched by Jesus. And there are two areas in their lives that we'll see that Jesus specifically touched. We see, number one, that their souls were touched by Jesus, right? Uh, Jesus touched their hearts. With his compassion, with his forgiveness, he touched their hearts. Compassion was what this leper needed the most. Because you could, you can argue that as a leper, he didn't really feel much compassion from society. Now there were probably the occasional person that went on and was like, you poor thing. I'm so sorry you have this disease. But for the most part, most people are like, get out of here. Ah, get out of here. We, no, 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 no. Get, get out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. We don't want your disease. Get out of here. Compassion goes a long way. And I, I sincerely believe that that compassion that Jesus showed really touched his heart. He probably didn't experience too much com, uh, 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 compassion from anyone. That's our leper. But what about our paralytic? Well, forgiveness was what he needed the most. And we already explained that, so I'm not going to uh, stay there too much. But here's the point. Jesus, were able, Jesus was able to show these two men one thing. And it, it gives us uh, a point. It gives us uh, a lesson, really. That people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right? They don't really care how much you know. They don't care what you can do until they 
can see that you actually care for them. And Jesus touched their hearts and then he did something for them, right? And so their souls were touched by the hand of God. They were touched by Jesus. But we obviously know that their bodies, as we read the rest of this story, we know that their bodies were touched by Jesus as well, right? We see the healing of the leper in verse number 13. Let's go ahead and go there. Verse number 13. The Bible says, and he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And here's what the scripture says. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. Praise the Lord for the healing of the Savior. Their bodies were touched and Jesus could help them and do the miraculous that they probably had no hope was ever uh, going to happen for them. But Jesus did it, right? Their bodies were touched. The, the, we see the healing of the leper. We also see the healing of the paralytic. You look in verse uh, number 24. Now, let's talk about the Pharisees for a second. Jesus tells him in verse number 20, Man, thy sins be are forgiven thee. And in verse number 21, the Bible says, And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, the Bible's interpretation is that the Pharisees are thinking this. They're not really saying this out loud. They're thinking this, or even if they are saying it out loud, they're saying it in secret. They're maybe whispering it. But we get the sense that nothing is being said. It's only you can feel the aura of the room, so to say. But the Bible says in verse number 22, But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? He says, What are you thinking right now? What are you thinking? He says, I'll tell you what you're thinking. In verse number 23, look at what he says. He says, Whether it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say rise up and walk. He says, i tell you what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, Oh, he's a phony. Instead of healing this man of his physical disease, he is telling them, thy sins be forgiven thee. We can't see if his sins are forgiven. He's taking the easy way out. We can't see if, so he's not really going to heal this man. He's going to give us, oh, your sins be forgiven thee, and say, oh, that he's healed internally. But look at what Jesus says to them in verse number 24. Jesus says, I know that you're probably thinking that, but I said that, that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Because you might be thinking, oh, well, he's taking the easy way out. He can't forgive sins. He said, but let me ask you a question. If I can actually heal this body, would you believe that I can forgive sins? And so Jesus, he gives them that, uh, that question, so to say, that would make them think. And we see at the end of verse number 24, the Bible says, uh, Jesus speaks and he says, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy, thy couch and go into thine house. And in verse number 25, the, the Bible says, and immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Jesus can do the miraculous, spiritual and physical, right? Um, I have uh, a family member or two that um, had uh, a disease, cancer maybe, or uh, they had uh, something wrong with their bodies that I, I am blessed to say this morning that they went to the doctor and the doctor said, sorry, this is, this is it. This is, this is this, the jigs up. And we went back to the doctor at a different point in time and the doctor said, we don't know what happened. It's the power of Jesus, right? And that same power this morning can do it for us according to his will, by the way, right? So we see that their bodies and their, their souls were touched by Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, he can touch our souls and he can touch our bodies. If only we would let him. If only we would experience the life that he wants to give us. Because I'll tell you, in these guys' souls, they came alive. They did. They came alive, and we'll talk about that in a second, but they came alive, and in their bodies, they came alive. 
two people, uh, you have one guy that couldn't really do, uh, he couldn't go into society and he couldn't really do much with his body because it was breaking down on him. But you have another guy that couldn't do anything with his body. Their bodies came alive, but inside something else came alive. They felt the love of Christ and that inspired in them uh, new life. Number three, we see there's a third thing they experience and that is the experience of liveliness. The experience of liveliness. You say liveliness, liveliness has to do with excitement, has to do with joy and peace and purpose most, and most importantly. Liveliness, you say really? They experienced liveliness. I think they did. They would go on to live a new life filled with excitement and new purpose. You don't believe me? Let's look at it. You look at verse number 13 of our guy with leprosy. The Bible says, and immediately the leprosy departed from him. Now here's what happens in verse number 14. Right? Uh, here's what happened in verse number 14. The Bible says, and he charged him to tell no man, but go and shew thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded him. And so Jesus here, he says, hey, honor the process of going back into society. As, as anyone with leprosy, there was a process. If they were healed by, uh, with, from that leprosy, there was a process that they would uh, have to undergo by going to society. I wrote some notes down here. Uh, when a leper reported to the priest and showed him that they were healed, they had to perform ceremonies, according to Levit Leviticus chapter number 14. And they were rarely, if ever, practiced. At the end of eight days, they would have to wait eight days. At the end of eight days, the healed leper would be given a certificate affirming his healing. And the priest would then declare the healing valid and two uh, doves would be sacrificed. This led to a full week of rejoicing after which... Three lambs would be offered for the sacrifice and the, the blood of the lambs would be placed on the ears of the leper. So there, there would be some rejoicing with the leper if the leper were healed. There was, there was a process that he has to do to get back into society. He can't just go scaring people half to death and being like, hey, I'm healed. No, people won't take to that, right? He had to go through a process. And so uh, he, uh, we see the leper, he was healed. And how did this healing impact him? Well, we see he had a new walk, didn't he? He had a new walk. He had a new walk that he could go back into society. Jesus left him healed with that new walk. With the, the paralytic, don't forget him. You look in verse number 25, the Bible says, And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And so he also had a new walk, literally a new walk. I would imagine I've, I've uh, had the privilege of breaking uh, both of my knees, although people tell me there's no way you broke both of your knees, but that's what the doctor said, that's what my mom said, okay, I have had the privilege of bro breaking both of my knees, not at the same time, but both at some point in my life. One was playing basketball, one was playing track and field. You could imagine uh, I was that guy that they said was made of glass, right? But with both of with both of my knees being broken, I remember being put in a cast. And I remember what it was like to not be able to be able to move as I wanted to, to not be able to go as I wanted to. But what I do remember too though, is when that cast came off and I could finally walk again and I could get up and I could stretch my leg out and I'm like, yeah, finally, off with that dumb cast, right? What would happen? I would get familiar with my legs and, and I would have a new walk. You know, I look at this passage and 
I see that Jesus heals this man. And I want to think, I want to think that this man, when Jesus healed him, he got up and maybe he struggled. I want to think this. I want to think that he struggled because he hadn't walked in so long and so he was wobbling. But the Bible says something that contradicts that statement. Look in verse number 25. It says, And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his house. The Bible says that Jesus healed this man with such power that he not only had power to walk, like everything was fine, but he could lift the couch or the bed that he was taken down or, or, or lowered down upon. And I don't know about you, but for someone to be able to hold, um, but for something to be able to hold the full weight of someone means that that thing is heavy. So we see our guys, when, our guy, when Jesus said, hey, rise up and walk and take your, your couch, when he takes that couch, the Bible says in verse number 25 that he took it, departed to his house, and he was glorifying God. He was healed so miraculously with such power that I don't think he was wobbling at all. I wanted to think that, you know, because naturally you would think that that would be the natural course. But Jesus is powerful, more powerful than that. We got to give him more credit than that. He, I sincerely uh, believe the Bible when it says that he had so much strength in his legs that he could take something else with him at home. And so he had a new walk. And it's something that happens when you encounter Jesus, there's an itch inside you that just makes you want to shout. There's an itch inside you that just makes you want to tell people, hey, I experienced Jesus. Hey, my life has been changed, man. Jesus is good. God is good. They had a new walk and they both had a new talk. They both had a new talk. Let's look at our guy in verse number uh, 14. Let's look at the leper in verse number 14. So we know what Jesus tells him. Jesus tells him, hey, don't tell anybody. Charge no man about this. Don't tell anyone about this. Uh, and and uh, we read the Bible later. It's, it's in this passage or it's in, in the book of Mark. But we can assume that Jesus didn't want him to tell anyone because Jesus knew that the fame would spread and that would stop him from being able to do certain things that he wanted to do. He didn't want the fame to spread yet. So in verse number 14 with our leper, Jesus charged him to tell no man. The Bible says, however, in verse number 15, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of him. You say, why? Well, Mark's account of this story tells us in Mark chapter number 1, verse 45, but he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter in so much that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city. So what do we see? Jesus told him to tell no one and he went and told everyone he could. One commentator said, it's a strange fact that the one Jesus command to tell no one told everyone. But we, who Jesus command to tell everyone, often tell no one. I thought to myself, man, that's convicting. That's, that is so convicting. What's lacking? What's, what's happening? How can this guy that Jesus told not to tell anyone, how, could, how was he so inspired to, to go and tell everyone? Whereas someone who Jesus commands, hey, go tell everyone, I often tell no one. I got really convicted and I thought, what, what am I missing? What's, what's getting lost in translation? What's getting tr lost in translation is that we must actively be seeking and experiencing the love of Christ. Because that love and that uh, life that he gives us is what sparks us, uh, which sparks that inspiration. I say it all the time, but the goodness of God inspires loyalty. 
It's because we experience the love that, that God has for us. The Bible, again, remember, we love him because he first loved us, right? It's the goodness of God that inspires loyalty. So I, I ask myself, well, why is it that he went and told everyone, but yet I often struggle to tell some people? You know, God just got a hold of my heart and was like, well, maybe you're not experiencing my love like, like he did. Maybe you're not experiencing the life that I can renew in your heart like he did. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, well, Brother Javon, how can I experience life? How can I experience Christ's love? Man, do I have a book for you. You want to experience the love of Christ? Read this. You will find that this is God's love letter. You will find that this love letter, when you find out what God did for you, or when you, Christians, when we are reminded of what God has done for us, we experience that love because of these pages. And because of what God has done for us, it goes on to help us on the inside as well. And it goes on to give us life and to renew our love for God. So much so that when our love for God is renewed, that we then go out and we have a liveliness about us. We have an excitement about us. We have a joy and a peace that we just can't help but share with everyone around us. And that is what these two guys this morning experienced. But I have a question for you. You look at this passage, we've talked about a number of people. I have a question. Who are you this morning? In terms of these characters that we've mentioned, who are you this morning? Are you like the leper this morning? Do you know that Jesus can help you, but you just haven't gone and asked? And maybe you just need to go and ask and receive the compassion of Christ and, 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 and receive the love of Christ so that it can revive you in your heart? Do you need to be like the paralytic this morning? Do you need to experience the forgiveness of Christ for the first time? And maybe you didn't know that, but do you need to experience the, the forgiveness of Christ for the first time? That that could then inspire you, that love could then inspire you to then be healed internally and live with a liveliness? Maybe. Maybe we need to be like the friends. Maybe there's someone in here that would say, you know what? I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned for the people that's lost and on their way to hell out there. I'm not concerned about the people that's, that's lost and, and dying and going to an eternity that is without God. Are you convinced that Jesus can actually do something? Because maybe you are concerned, but you're just not convinced that God can do anything. Because I'll tell you, if you were concerned and convinced, and those two go together, you can't, it, it, one or, just having one is not, is not going to help you to be courageous. We must be concerned and convinced, because those two are a recipe for being courageous and getting outside of our comfort zone and being able to say, hey, I know a God. I know a Jesus that can help you, if you that he can help you with that if you need him. I know a God, I know a Savior that can help you. This morning we can experience love. It's available. The love of Christ is available. The compassion of Christ is available. The forgiveness of Christ is available. The love, it's there. The lo the, we can experience the life that Christ brings. He can touch our souls. He can even touch our bodies. And when he does that, ladies and gentlemen, this morning we can experience a liveliness that is available through Jesus Christ. We can have a new walk and we can have a new talk. Ladies and gentlemen, that's... That's the, experience, that's the experience that these guys, 
these gentlemen faced this morning. That's what they got to uh, experience this morning. I recommend that we be thankful more than anything for these experiences. Want to know why? Because we have a Savior who desires for us to have these experiences and to have them for a lifetime. Jesus doesn't want us to experience his love once. He wants us to experience it every single day. God doesn't want us to experience life once. He wants us to experience it every day. He, so therefore, God doesn't want us to experience a liveliness once. He wants us to experience it every day. The question is, are we experiencing it every day? Maybe we haven't experienced it for the first time. I invite you to do that this morning. Maybe we have experienced it once or twice or three times or a few times, but yet we haven't experienced it lately. I invite you to experience it this morning. God's desire is, to have, is for us to have these unforgettable experiences so it would teach us who he is. Again, once we learn who he is, that goodness, knowing who he is, will inspire in us that loyalty. This morning I invite you to decide. Maybe you need to decide to experience the person of Christ because he can do these things for you. Maybe you need to decide, you know what, I'm going to share the person of Christ because he can do these things for others. Whatever it may be, we're going to have an invitation and I'm going to invite you to do these things. Will you or someone you know experience the love, the life, and the liveliness that the Savior brings this morning? Let's go ahead and pray.